Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Curse me, Rose. Run for your life. Fatality. I'm Batman. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Esports around the world is an industry that's absolutely exploding. Stadiums are filled with thousands of fans, and the prize pools are incredible. The recent Dota 2 International Tournament had a prize pool nearing 21 million US dollars. With Rage, South Africa's largest tech, gaming, and LAN experience fast approaching, there is plenty of esports buzz around, especially with the Telcom Digital Game league putting up 1 million rand as a prize pool across the CSGO and Dota 2 competitions. South Africa's tech girl, Sam Wright, has recently announced that she'll be part of the commentary team for the Telcom DGL Masters event at Rage this year, and we offer our hearty congratulations to her for it. Back in June, Sam hosted a panel at Icon 2016 that talked about the state of esports in South Africa. Sam was joined on stage by shoutcaster Barry Anthrax Luzada, Stefan Nefan Smith from Energy Esports, and Vet. Riddits Lombard from Nav TV to discuss the various aspects of esports in South Africa today. We humbly present a recording of this panel as a podcast, as a primer for Rage, as well as for our next podcast, where we'll be sitting down to chat with Sam Wright in more detail and discuss her forays into the esports scene. We pass this over to the Diva for her rating. Franku, what did the Diva have to say? The Diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it completely salt free. Thank you kindly to Franku and the Diva for the rating, but for now, without any further ado, please join Sam Wright as she releases the geek and discusses the state of esports in South Africa. And now, we're releasing the geek. What is your profession? My name is Sam, also known as Tekel, and I'm here to facilitate a talk on the state of esports in South Africa. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know, esports is in fact blowing up all over the world. It's competitive gaming. We're seeing guys fill 50 stadiums with 50,000 people, millions of dollars worth of prizes up for grabs, and players are doing this professionally. It's a big deal. The thing is, we always want to ask, how does that affect South Africa? As an emerging economy, as a smaller part of the world, are we seeing the same effects? Are players able to do this full time? So today I'm facilitating a discussion on the state of esports in South Africa. I am by no means an expert, I'm simply a fan. So I thought I'd get some really familiar faces from the esports scene here today to chat to us. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Keep it short guys, no self-plugs, no one wants that. <laughs> Why don't we start? Let's get going. Okay, well I'm Reddit, um, the business development officer for NAV TV as well as a Dota 2 caster. Um, well, esports development officers, so to speak, to help and grow the esports scene in South Africa through Nav TV, and yeah, that's me. Also, a bit of a Justin Bieber flick going on. Is that on purpose? There you go. I was like asked to do that on like on screen, so I don't. Uh, just for you, Nefan. Hi, I'm Nefan from Energy Esports. I'm a Counter Strike player, and I play professionally. Um, I'm Barry Anthrax Lozada. I've been gaming or trying to at least for the last 16 years in uh, competitive esports and uh, at the moment I, I do a bit of casting and I dabble in some some behind the scenes stuff as well. Before we get into it I just want to do a big what's up to everyone watching on the Twitch stream that was of course powered by Always on Wi-Fi. 
I also got told that if I say what's up to you, you won't write nasty comments about me, so fingers crossed. Let's get straight into it though, I want to start on the positive. The state of South African esports. Riddick, do we even have an esports scene? Well, looking at the scene over the past couple of years, it's been growing a lot. Um, there's always been like one standout tournament or league throughout the year. And slowly but surely, for example, last year we had a couple from NAV TV side as well as other um, entities, uh, 30, 40, 50,000 rand tournaments. Leading into this year already, we've already gone past uh, beginning of April. We had a Dota 2 and a Counter-Strike GO competition for 75,000 rand each. And we're currently in the process of 150,000 rand Dota 2 prize pool tournaments as well. So if you actually look at the growth from a 30,000 rand last year up to 250,000 rand tournaments already in a period of three months, that's a huge growth. And that just goes to show you how South Africa is actually accepting and adapting and actually trying to catch up to the international scene. And it's happening in leaps and bounds. So Anthrax, I want to touch on this though. We've had a Parastasal just drop a, a, a million rand prize pool into it as well. Is this becoming something that, that guys like Neffen can do full time? Are we there yet? Um, at the moment, I wouldn't say so. You know, because once everything works out and once everything drops down to, you know, that's being split up over Dota and CSGO. So that's 500,000 and then you then you break that down into maybe paying down to, I'm not 100% sure on the splits, but even if you're going down to first or uh, down to fourth or fifth place, you're going to find yourself where the guys are only getting maybe 70 or 80,000 Rand split between five people. So that's cool for a month if you, if you want to break it down, but there's nothing, there's nothing happening regular enough for that to happen where a guy like Neffen can stop working and actually get 20, 30, 40,000 rand a month just gaming. At this point, the, the expenses and the costs are too high and, and, and just one parastatal coming in to give money is not enough for, for, for yep. a whole bunch of teams to stop working. So that's something I want to touch on though, because when we talk about professional gaming and, and professional anything, the, the idea is that ultimately you're doing this as a full-time job. You make a living from it, you're getting paid a salary. We know that players overseas, they get moved into houses, they play full-time, that's all covered. They've got sponsorship deals, they're drinking yogurt um, and getting paid for that. Nefin is someone playing in South Africa as a professional player. So when we say professional, you play for Energy Esports, you're considered one of the top teams in the country. How much money are you actually making from gaming? Um, like Anthrax has said, it, it varies um, depending on where you place and how many tournaments come up. But like, as you said, there's, there's actually two elements to it. There's prize money and there's salaries. Right now, there are no salaries. You know, they, we're not at a stage yet um, where sponsors can really c come on board and pay us a, a set amount every month because Esports just hasn't, it's grown like Reddit said, it has grown in South Africa, we've seen some nice growth, but overseas it's boomed. It really just got out of hand and that, there's, there's the difference. So let's just touch on that, I mean we say it's boomed overseas, but locally one of the big things that, that sets South Africa apart from say the US is ultimately it's a connectivity issue. So we, the majority of our population is not getting access to the internet, so the idea of playing online competitively you've got to have the best possible line even some of our top players i know drop out of competitive matches because when they when they're playing their internet fails or whatever else is that something 
we talk about getting sponsors involved, but is it maybe they don't want to put the money in because we're talking to such a small community of people? Reddit, maybe as an events organizer, that's something you want to touch on? Um, I think the biggest problem or hurdle, so to speak, it's actually not a problem because we're busy addressing it, but the biggest hurdle is actually getting the public's interaction. Because for the past couple of years, the sponsors have been sponsoring and advertising to the same group of individuals year in and year out. So, I mean, they're putting in a lot of money for them, but it's the same target audience. For example, what we're doing now is we're actually going to different malls. I um, don't know if I'm allowed to say the malls, but the, our finals for the $150,000, uh, the dollar, wow, 150000 I was like, I'm about to stop playing uh, esports competitively. I'll be yeah. there too. Um, that's at Cradlestone Mall. So we're actually setting up inside the mall, uh, trying to educate the general public. Um, I think it's ESL or something that also did it that way. They, they also started off in malls because you have your gamers and your esports fans, which are normally the friends of the gamers um, themselves, and then you've got the rest of the public, which is a 5 to 95% split. So as soon as you can bring that 95% in, the sponsors will actually pay more money to get players like Nefan uh, out to... You basically make them celebrities because now the general public want to meet them, they want to interact with them, and that's how you can start getting more money into esports is by getting the general public involved. The like whole connectivity thing, I have to say, it's been getting better also in leaps and bounds. The biggest problem is the target audience for the sponsors, in my opinion. So Antax, I saw you lifting your finger there. Do you have something to add? You know, let's not move away from the fact that we have spent years struggling with internet connectivity, yeah. power, power issues in this country, <laughs> You've got guys that are, that are spending time driving across Johannesburg or Durban or Cape Town to get to their mate's house to play these games because this is how important it is to these players. I was there. It's important for us. Sure, we're playing for one, one game a year. You know, that's our opportunity. That's what we've, what we've been playing for for the last 10 years of, of, of esports in this country. And, and we drive across countries and cities to get to our mates house so we can play. We buy generators, we get backup lines, we have six ADS ISP accounts so that we, you know, if the one fails, you know, those have been stumbling blocks. And, and now we're getting to the point where fiber to the home is starting to come into effect. You know, the, the you know, touch word power is starting to stable out a bit, you know, stabilize a bit. And, and the thing is, is it's, yes, I, I agree with you, you know, it's about educating the public, but at the same time, it's like all of these sponsors and these guys need to get some form of return on investment. You know, they're not going to start putting out big cash for, for advertising and sponsorship for teams until they start to see, until other players and teams and MGOs start to come into the fray and they give back to these guys. You know, until then, they're going to just give you headsets or they're going to give you you know, hardware, and it, it needs to be a mutually beneficial relationship. And once that starts to grow and, and the, 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 the cel celebrity or whatever, you, you know, will start to progress naturally because by giving those suppliers what they need, you'll start to see that they'll start to invest more money and people will start to take a lot more interest yeah. in that. Well, I mean, that's, that's very true. I mean, look, over the past three, four months, that's exactly... What we've been also trying to do, that's why we've managed to hold our 250,000 tournaments. It's still not enough. And without the broadcasting aspect of that, to actually make it viable also for sponsors to come in, you have to have proper production, proper broadcasting. 
Otherwise, the entire tournament's happening maybe in a basement somewhere. There's no return on investment on that. You have to get it out via platforms like Twitch, Hitbox, YouTube. You have to get people actually interacting, finding out what's happening. You have to get the younger audience as well going, oh, mommy, look what's happening there. They might, for example, see a very nice always-on logo. And then when they go home and their kid is struggling to play um, online, they will say, oh, but always-on sponsored that event. They must be good for gaming. And that's how you can like, close the loop, for an example. So what I do want to touch on, though, and this is something that I think is quite important, is I've met a lot of kids who are playing games, they want to be a pro gamer, and what they think is, is what they see internationally. Because unfortunately, like we've mentioned, they're not watching the local streams, they're watching the overseas streams. They're seeing these guys walk in with all their sponsored gear, doing their ads, and they presume that a, a pro gamer in South Africa is getting the same treatment. So Nefin, they see all your sponsors down your list, and you do have, Energy has great sponsors, but they presume that those guys are paying you money and this is what you're doing full-time. Whereas you probably have a day job or studying. Correct. I'm, I have a day job. Um, I work about nine hours a day and then I get home and then I have to put in the hours to make up. Um, for Because there's kids out there that are putting in the hours between 8 to 14 hours a day in South Africa. So there are a select few um, professionals that are putting in those types of hours that they're overbroad. Can, can I interrupt yeah. you? Does that mean that there are guys that are doing this full-time here? To a, to a large extent, yes, but they're a select few. They're not, um, they're not the average. It doesn't mean that they're getting paid, though. I mean, they're, no. they're being afforded that, that, that privilege, Correct. so to Correct. speak, because they're maybe a little bit more lucky than somebody else, maybe younger, they're having a gap year, they're not going to varsity, or their parents have enough money to facilitate them staying at home and I mean that there's nothing wrong with that I mean I wish I had that opportunity because oh, yes. I would absolutely take it I think we all do <laughs> <laughs> so how do you balance that though because you've been overseas and, and Anthrax you've been overseas and this is something I want to touch on we talk a lot and we're going to compare we're always going to compare and we're going to want South Africa to to feature on the international stage but the thing is these guys overseas are one being paid huge salaries to play are all living in a really nice house together because these teams are actually moved to houses, they're fed, they're looked after, they've got doctors coming in doing hand-eye coordination tests. I mean, this is serious business, ultimately, because when money comes in, this gets serious. How the hell do you go overseas when you're doing your job, playing for a little bit? We've got guys that are having professional coaches in and doctors and nutritionists. How do you even feature? Can you feature? Um, you you have to work yourself in slowly. You can't go there and think you're going to just beat a tier one team. You've got to start it quite at the bottom. And I also think if we, we've never had a team that's gone over and boot camp there for two, three, three months and then go to work themselves up in the smaller tournaments to see what they, where they can get. We've never had that. So once the, things like that start happening as well, um, we, are, we are getting sent overseas more frequently now. We've got ESEA and ESWC this year, and those two are guaranteed already for next year. And then, we, you know, something, might, something else might come along, and, you know, now the frequency comes up, and then we might see real progression. But as of now, it's, it's really hard, and it's becoming increasingly hard as the time goes by because those guys have all these resources um, that we don't. So this is something, though, that I want to touch on, because we keep talking about it. It keeps coming back to money, ultimately. So what we need is we need more money in South African esports. That money comes from sponsors, but that comes with a whole other problem. And that is obviously when big business comes in, 
there's contracts and there's media rights and there's all this business stuff that you just want to play video games. So you know nothing about. Now, Reddit, I know that NAV represents talent. So you've got your MCs, you've got your shoutcasters. But are we not lacking some sort of representation for the players? I want to highlight, I mean, this isn't actually a South African problem. One of the biggest CS teams overseas, Luminosity, got themselves conned into signing an agreement in a Berlin, bo in a Berlin bar, um, proceeded to leave there and decide that they'd actually made a mistake. Big court battle, lots of lawyers. They'll probably be playing for SK Gaming. That was a decision that they claim they didn't want to make. But that was simply because we got a bunch of guys who have come from nowhere, want to play video games, in South Africa, we talk about getting lots of money in. Is there a problem in that there's no education for the players? Well, the thing is, you can never use ignorance as an excuse. And I know it's very harsh for me to say this, but you always have to keep an open mind and actually listen to what's happening. Never sign anything without having your lawyers have a look at it, or at least having someone that is knowledgeable have a look at it. One moment. Nevan, how, do you know how much a lawyer costs to look at a contract? I don't. Would you be willing to pay someone 1,500 rand to write you a legal letter? Um, it would depend. If, if I was going to join a new clan, maybe. Because that's a big... That's, a big... That's, that's what I want to yeah. highlight. Is I don't think people realize the cost involved. in, And this is the issue. We talk we need more money. But to get more money, players are going to have to spend more money. Yeah. Do we need an organization to represent players? To be honest, some people will say yes. I'm on, on the opinion at this point, no. Because sure, you know, we're talking about getting lawyers involved. We all like to do that from a casting point of view. I've also played for energy for the Dota side. The thing is, you're going into a business. It's the same as going to work for a company. They give you a contract. You have to do your due diligence. I mean, in that contract, it could say a lot of things which you don't know about. It's, it's the exact same. It's a profession that you go into. So I understand just say, yeah, well, you have to take out the money. But now if in the contract, you're not receiving anything should you really then be actually signing that contract as a tier one team in this country. It does come down to, you, you also have to educate yourself. We could, for example, put together a group of people that can assist regarding this, but as soon as now you want to unionize it, that's failed with CS, that's failed with Dota, and I'm talking about this is on the international scene, where there's $18 million prize pools that are happening, the Dota 2 international prize pools already sitting at 13 million for this year, with still a couple months left. It's failed on that stage. I honestly don't think it will work here in South Africa as of yet if you try and unionize it. But maybe getting together a group of people that actually have knowledge in law, that actually have their law degrees, that can actually go through the contract with the players on a pro bono basis, that might be something that is viable. So that's, we're talking about the state of South African esports, and, and I find it interesting because we're now talking about lawyers and, and getting money and sponsors. Anthrax, how many players who play online on a weekly basis want to do this full-time? I mean, if we look, it's quite a small scene. Are we going to be in a situation where when we get quite serious like this, we're going to get a large group of them breaking away saying, actually, I don't really want to be pro. I'm sort of 30 at the moment, and I just do this for fun, and I happen to be quite good, and I can play on weekends. Is that something that could potentially also happen? You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because when I started 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was like, for me, it was just, I'm doing this for fun. And I stopped playing a year, a year and a half ago. And for me, it was like, I'm, I'm like upset. You know, I'm missing out on all of this. I, I mean, I won, I won some stuff. That's cool. But 
at this point, I'm starting to see the expansion of esports, particularly in this country. And it's like, there are a lot of guys that will be in the age, at the age of 30 wish that they could be involved in this and wish that they could do something with, with esports. And that's when they'll start to break out into things like team management, maybe casting, maybe back-end production, whatever. It's not that those options are not available to them because they'll still be a part of something. Kind of like when a rugby player starts playing rugby. They go coaching or they go into commentary or whatever the case is. But, you know, at that, at that same... At this, you know, I have to touch on something. I don't see why casters and people need an agency or a, or a thing when players don't need that kind of same protection. Because as a player, personally, I know that coming from... I mean, I've got a full-time job. I've been working for 20 years. Even I think to myself about getting a lawyer is just daunting. You don't know the first thing about it. You don't know, like, who, who am I going to... First, you need to know, okay, I need a commercial lawyer. I mean, like, okay, like, I mean, I learned that, like, a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's not something that is just relative to any, anybody at this point. And these guys, as you pointed out, just want to play games. That's all they want to do. You want to get home, you want to sit down after a long day of working, and you want to shoot some people, you know? And that's it. And cool, you get to go and play in a couple of comps and win a bit of money... But at the end of the day, you want to be part of the big stuff as well. You want to be on the big stage. You want to be in that booth. You want to be standing on that stage when you lift the trophy and have all that glittery stuff land on Confetti. you. But the point is, is, they need to be protected just as much as anybody else. And that comes in with education, teaching. Not just casters, not just Joe Public, but professional gamers yeah. as well. Because I've come from there, and the simple fact of the matter is... is Knowledge is never a bad thing for anybody. And the more people know, the less they can, they can say they, were, they didn't know. You know, the, that whole ignorance thing. And, and I don't think it's ignorance. It's just not understanding. It's just not in their frame of reference. They're a player. Well, I've been screwed over by a contract before myself. So I do understand that. But after that happened, I actually went and I did a bit of research. I spoke to people and I, I might be very privileged because I knew a few people that studied law that are lawyers. But then maybe, maybe the scene and the actual like top T1 teams should get together and have a discussion with their players because that all, that all he is, for example, money. part of energy. Yeah, but that involves money. So someone like Carbon doesn't have that kind of cash available to just, them. Just to clarify, if you know nothing about esports, <laughs> Carbon is this amazing CS team that's just popped up. It's a bunch of 16-year-old boys. They've pretty much annihilated all the top teams, done amazing things. I just want to clarify because I'm a bit of a fan. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So the point is, is you've got a bunch of 16-year-old kids. Yeah. No offense to them. They, but it's a young talented, team. Yeah. Talented. Dude. They're worrying about girls and shooting people. Okay. So they're how not, do you? They're not they have, be a, they have so no knowledge about they law. Exactly. So they're not. They're not even. They didn't. Their <laughs> train of thought didn't even go so there. So how do you? So they just sign the contract, guys. And exactly. they're out. So that's a question, though, because we've been talking about this. There's big business coming in. These guys have got lawyers. They're going to want those contracts signed. And in order for South Africa to compete on the international stage, we're going to have to step up our game. Nefan, are these problems that face you at all, or do you just go, it's cool, I, I, I'm part of a good MGO, they take care of me, I'm fine? Yeah, no, I look, personally, I'm happy, so it's hard <laughs> for me to kind of um, get, get to that state. But uh, there are obviously people in the, in the community that have many problems with contracts, and 
Um, even us right now, we're going through a, a bit of a contract dispute with uh, Telcom. Oh, um, okay. You did it. You went there. Yeah. <laughs> Drop um, the names here. Yeah. <laughs> the parastatal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that what I want to touch on is when mm. I said to you, do you face these problems? And you were like, well, no, not really. And that's because energy looks after their players. Yeah. So maybe the education's not with the players, it's with the MGOs. That, just to touch on that, sorry, quickly. Energy has a has an older, more mature MGO leader, just the same as Bravado Gaming, another one of those guys, Andreas and Kaz. Yeah. These guys have been around the block, just the same as if I had to go into an MGO situation and start. Up. It's about being aware. And at 16, you're not aware. And You don't and, really care at 16. Yeah, but you, you know, you need someone that does care. Yeah. And that's where the future comes in. Somebody needs to step up, and that's a 30-year-old. It's double, almost double the age of the 16-year-old that's playing. You're making that me feel old in. right now. I'm older than that. The point <laughs> is, is at, 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 you know, that's what they need. They need someone to take them and say, right, guys, your interests are, are most important to me, whether that's an agent, whether that's an MGO, manager, owner, or if that's somebody, a lawyer. But somebody needs to help these guys just as much as they need to help the casters, of just course. as much as they need to help the MGOs, because those guys also need help. And the point is, is as you say, 1,500 rand for a, a lawyer's letter, they're going to go, but I only like, got 5,000 from my last com. Yeah. Like but I did bring that up earlier as well to say maybe we should, as an organization, as a community, all like, pitch in together and actually try and educate. Maybe get a couple of lawyers that can or that want to do this pro bono, because trust me, I know there's a lot of lawyers that love watching the South African scene. But that and doesn't maybe try into and professional gaming, though, because with money, those things will be, will be resolved. You know, and that's, that's where we're lying at the moment in this, in this stagnant, situ the stagnant situation where it's kind of like, okay, we're going into professional esports now. Right, let's go and do this. Let's get $13 million on the board here because these guys are going to make money. How many people are watching esports a year? Hundreds of millions of people. The simple fact of the matter is, is that you, you know, we're at that point where it's kind of like the egg and the chicken situation. Like, who's going to get a lawyer before... The, the, age, or the agent signs these guys in and ties them into contracts that they, don't, they didn't know what they were signing themselves into and who's going to actually protect these guys for free. Yeah. But then it's not going to be for free in two years' time, is it? Well, that's oh, the God. thing. We're talking about the state of South African esports and I think what we can see here is that we are at this place where it is now time. This is something that if you are a gamer, if you're at home playing Dota or CS or even Overwatch because that's going to blow up very soon as well, if you're playing and you're pretty good, there is a chance that we are now getting to the point where this is going to become something that you do for a living. And that's also something I want to touch on. It's really interesting for me as a fan. I talk about it a lot online, and I get a lot of response on Tickle from kids. Just the other day, um, I actually spoke about it in a YouTube video. A kid, a 15-year-old guy, told me that all he wants to do is join Bravado Gaming. So he started a Twitter account. He plays, I think he plays CS. And on his Twitter account, it's all about trying to convince everyone that he's good enough to join Bravado. I hope Bravado notices him one day. I want to touch on that though, Nefan. If you want to be a pro, so now you're playing, you're seeing these guys having a debate about lawyers. I mean, this is like big stuff now. Mm. How do you even get started? You're playing on the internet. How do you become a, a professional in South Africa? Um, it's, it's so difficult coming into a scene that's already so developed. Uh, but the, the first thing is... You, you, firstly, you've got to be so ambitious. This is an industry where you just have to be so ambitious and you've got to be, 
passionate. You have to love what playing, um, playing with, you know, playing the game. And if you're not, you, you will fall out, like Anthrax mentioned, like, you know, players fall out over time. Um, but you've got to be really headstrong and you've got to put in the time. And that's where, where it becomes really difficult because that kid's probably in school. Now he wants to be a professional gamer. There's probably going to be a lot of, um, <laughs> what's the word, domestic disputes. You know, but I, personally, I went through so much domestic disputes, you know, because I had, was putting in so much time and my schoolwork was lacking. Um, and, but this is really what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I came onto the scene, well, the competitive scene in 2008, and I'm still doing this. So clearly I am passionate. And that's the type of passion you've got to have to, to make it to a top team. I want to find out though, I mean, Anthrax, you played Battlefield mm. professionally. You were extremely good. You led the Southern Barbarians. Like, you were a bit of a legend in that game. And then you stopped. Let's touch on why you decided to stop playing professionally. Um, well, at the, at the tender age of 35, you've got a 15-year-old <laughs> kid, firstly, calling you names that you don't repeat. And, and it's like hard to not like spank him you know and it gets to the point where it's like you get tired I've, I've, you're doing it for 15 years okay and we're talking about the days of 19 inch CRT monitor carrying that I mean you'd think I'd be a little bit more buff after carrying all those monitors but it's <laughs> like you carry those monitors in there and you set up for the weekend and you play your games and you walk out there feeling like a hero with a mouse and like five grand between eight players and you're just like these are the good times. And then you get to the point where now you're winning something big, lots of money and that, and it's like you can help more by not playing. You, you start to see where the holes are. You start to see that, that there's, 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 you can help more by, you know, there's another kid out there that's playing better than you. And, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, no, we can't do this without you. The leadership is important. And yes, leadership is important within a game. You know, an in, in IGL, in-game leader is like the most important oh, yeah. thing. And the thing is, is it gets to the point where you would be more service to that team by not, by not playing in it and rather guiding them in, and looking after them. So it's like something I'm doing at the moment is I'm moving towards doing something more for the community. That's why I cast. For me, it's, it's getting, giving back. I've, I, I, don't, I haven't played Counter-Strike competitively, but I've been involved in it. Um, with the with the MGO that I was a part of, it was very close. Part of, we were a, glo a close group of people, and you kind of start to follow and help and see where you're going. At the moment, Battlefield is kind of petered out a bit. Um, the new one is coming out soon, and there's a lot of hype around it. But at this point, it's like Dota and Counter Strike seem to be in South Africa anyway. Seem to be more the most the most yeah. um, popular genre of game. And for me to try and start from scratch in Counter-Strike. Bridget, I want to touch on that though. So we're talking about the different types of games. And I had a question on Facebook before the panel from someone who wanted to find out, in terms of esports in South Africa, obviously we've, we've been speaking a lot about Dota and CSGO. Those are the two big ones overseas. Locally, that's where the focus tends to be. Is there space for the other smaller games to come in? Um, I definitely think so. Uh, Heroes of the Storm, they tried it out last year as well. There was a big competition at Rage as well, huge prize pool. But that tapered off locally and internationally very fast. 
League of Legends is starting to get a bit more traction here in South Africa as well. Considering that, I think it was last year, the League of Legends Worlds, which is the World Championship, had more viewers than the NFL, that's the um, American NFL Super Bowl Finals did. Just quickly think about that in regards to viewership. There's more people watching the League of Legends final than there was watching the Super Bowl final over the weekend. So that's starting to bring up a little bit of resurgence here in South Africa again. Once again, since we don't have local service, internet connectivity is bringing a big issue into that. It makes it very difficult to actually hold tournaments online that don't have local service. CSGO, you can create your own local servers. Dota 2 has local servers as well. Overwatch, you can play, but once again, you're playing on 150, 200, 250 ping. So it all comes down to which games actually get local servers available and how the community reacts. I mean, sometimes you'll think, oh, everyone's going to love this, and then actually no one gets involved, no one jumps on board. From an events point of view, because obviously NavTV organizes events, is there also a bit of a money thing that comes into play when you go and approach sponsors? Is your focus more on CSGO and Dota because you know that that's probably where they want to spend more money? Well, it's not about where they're willing to spend more money. It's about why are they or why will they spend money on a tournament that will get them 1,000 views versus a tournament that will get them 500,000 views over a weekend. It all comes down to the return on investment. And we know the League of Legends scene is insanely huge internationally. But the local sponsors don't care about the international viewership. They want local viewership because that's where their money is. A lot of the international tournaments are coming from head office. For example, Gigabyte, um, MSI, SteelSeries, Aces, they might all like sponsor one of the Dota tournaments, the Summit, for a $250,000 prize pool. But that's not a local thing because they actually get the money from the international branch, the head office branch. Whereas we can't do that currently because the only people that we can bring on board is people that are willing to spend money for 100 to 200 to 300,000 local views over a period of a month. They won't put money in for something that won't have that attraction for the local side. So that's, we unfortunately have to go where the local interest lies. And we're fine with that because it just shows that the scene is growing. Overwatch is hopefully going to become huge. Um, I know there's a few plans for a few tournaments already happening. It all depends if the South African scene actually accepts it, so to speak. So in terms of the state of South African esports, what we've realized here is it's obviously it's at that point where it potentially has the opportunity to blow up into something big. There is the potential, like Nefan said, if we can get players overseas to boot camp, but again, it all comes back down to money. In order to make money, we've got to give the sponsors a return on the investment. How do we get people outside of the community? And this is something, I've spoken about it on Tickle a lot. I am not a video gamer. I play casually, I'm very bad. Um, but I started watching CSGO and I became addicted. But when I started watching CSGO, I started watching the South African teams. So every time there was a South African stream, I was in there watching for no reason other than just being a fan. How do we get more people like me to watch those games? Anthrax, do you want to weigh in here? Um, I think uh, Reddit touched on it earlier. It is about educating people, firstly, and not educating them in the sense that this is, you know, this is Counter-Strike. It's a simple fact of this is where you can watch it, this is what you can yes. be expected to see, and it needs to look semi-decent. Production. I mean, the, the production value needs to be, I say semi-decent, but in my heart I would say damn near perfect. 
You know, it's a simple case of how do you expect people to enjoy something when it looks like it's being run out of someone's garage or their basement. But let's touch on that. Sometimes South African tournaments are run out of people's garages and basements because that's where the scene is right now. It is. Well, actually, no, the scene has progressed. Last year, yes. But I mean, I mean, look at what we've done at Cradlestone, Northgate, Greenstone. We literally clogged up the entire Greenstone shopping center in Johannesburg, their entire walkways, because people were actually stopping and watching. They had to get the security to actually ask the guys to move because that is how interested they were, that's how flashy you made it, that's how good it looked. And that's literally where we're starting to be at. We're not there yet, but we're starting to actually get that production by going out, making people aware of it, and actually making it entertaining to watch. If it's not entertaining, no one's going to watch it. It's, so I'd like to touch on this, though, from a player's perspective. Nefan, do you care if people are watching your streams, or do you just play because it's <laughs> kind of fun? I think it's an added benefit. Um, More I pressure? Think we're, we're all... We've been playing since before there were even any viewers. So we're just happy that uh, people are watching. Um, to, to just touch on like, why people might not be watching, I guess it's a, in South Africa versus any other Euro European country, it's more of a cultural thing. People would rather watch rugby than esports, I guess, you know? It's interesting you say that, but Supersport started putting esports on. And I've got friends that I work with who are rugby fans who woke up the other morning, watched it, and was like, Sam look what I watched, and it's, it's actually kind of cool watching people shoot yeah. one another. I think Dota, it's not there yet. I, I don't think we're ready for a, for a Dota movement, but see, it's, people are starting to get it, and I think Overwatch yeah. would be something that see, they would love. See, I guess uh, that's, that's something that's happened recently, whereas with internationals, they've, they've had it on their television. I mean, if you look at uh, South Korea, they've had StarCraft 2 on their tele national television since the early 2000s, so, you know, it's only starting now to get that sort of exposure it needs. What I do want to touch on as well though, and this is something with the events, because South Africa is so big, we've got events in Cape Town, in Durban, in Johannesburg. How does someone starting out, those 16-year-old boys at Carbon, having to ask their parents, I mean, you, I'm presuming with energy, do they cover your costs when you travel? How does that work? Yeah, they travel, uh, travel costs are covered and, you know, like accommodation and stuff are pretty much covered. But I would assume that's only with the big organizations. Uh, the smaller organizations, I'm, I'm not too clued up, but there are usually some player contributions. So this is a difficult one because when you look at the state of South African esports, there's probably in Dota and in CS, maybe two or three MGOs that feature that are bigger, that have all the sponsors and are able to finance their players to travel. How do we build an industry when only three of the big teams can really get to all the tournaments and ultimately will win those tournaments because those three teams have got the finances. They're not paying for a kid to, who has to now drive down, sleep on his friend's couch. Anthrax, how, how do we make this better? Because we're, we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have three leaders and a bunch of other teams it, that fall away. It's pretty simple. Exactly how they do it overseas. You pay for those organizations to come to your event. It's simple. More money. You have an online qualifier for whatever game it is, and whoever qualifies... Travel accommodation is included in, in, that, in that event. And that's how you get it. Luminosity didn't have all the money in the world to fly themselves around the world. That's for sure. Those guys literally started in their basement. Now they're one of the most sought-after teams who unfortunately now have to play for SK Gaming from the 1st of July. And it's a simple, it's a simple fact that people need to either stop making more money and use that money to fly teams around. Yeah. 
or we're going to have a situation where it's just energy and bravado and, and so in, on. Keep in mind, it's also, I mean, for certain tournaments, I do agree with you, but for other tournaments, um, just quickly work it out. Eight teams, there's five people in a team, that's 40 people plus, um, let's say, eight or nine or 10 managers. So that's 50 people that you have to fly down. So let's say 3,000 Rand per person with accommodation, that's 5,000 Rand per person. To fly down 50 people with all of this is 250,000 Rand that you have to put down for certain tournaments where your price was only 150,000 oh. Rand and like to actually get all the production equipment there, to get everything down there, it already costs you 500,000 Rand and you don't have that extra 250, Hold it on does though, make I think it difficult. You need, you need to understand something. You mentioned that players don't have unions. Overseas, they do have unions. There are certain criteria that needs to be met for you to have a LAN event. We don't come out for unless this amount of money is available as prize money. We don't come out unless this is available, pri uh, travel accommodation. You know, I, I thought don't the CS Union fell, fell apart because I know the Dota one did last year. But the point is, is at the end of the day, you can't be having a land competition for 20,000 Rand. It's simple. No, of course. Whoever I, wins that money is the only team that might break even. There are five, six, seven, eight other teams that aren't even going to, they're going to go leave, they're going to leave there at a loss. Yeah. Well, I, I was bringing a 150,000 Rand tournament here as an example, not a 20,000 Rand tournament. But so that's what we're dealing with at the moment. Well, the 150 is what we're dealing with right now, and it's just below the point where we can start flying, flying teams down. Because if you're putting up 150,000 Rand, but you still need an extra 250 to fly down the teams, it's not always possible. But the organizations are trying to make that happen. I do know a few of them are. So let's touch on that. The state of South African esports, one, we need more money. It's the story of my life as well. <laughs> We've spoken about an organization. There is an organization in South Africa that shall not be named that is claimed to represent players. It's now sort of redundant. But I mean, we saw there was a lot of politics. If you're in the scene, you know about it. If you're not in the scene, I'm not even going to touch on it. Basically, they just had big fights a lot, and it's sort of redundant. So what we've discovered here is, one, more education for players, more money. We need to get more sponsors, so we need to get more people watching the streams. Hopefully, they're as good as the one sponsored by OS on Wi-Fi. There's a shameless plug. <coughs> we're very good at them. Um, so that's where we sit. But what I want to do now is I want to open this up to the crowd here. If anyone has any questions about esports, does anyone here want to throw a question at our panel? We've got a professional shoutcaster. He's played for a long time. We've got a professional player. I know on the stream it's saying that he's the co-owner of NAV TV. Congrats, Nefan. We just gave you a promotion. He's actually Nefan. He's a okay. professional um, esports player for Energy. We've also <laughs> got Devetia, one of the, the shareholders in NAV TV hosts events. Does anyone have a question about esports that they would like to potentially throw to the panel? We're a bit shy. Oh, we do have one. Do we have a roving mic? Oh, oh, sorry, dude. thought it was important to make the, the crew work on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I can see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. It's awesome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Dominique. I just want to know, um, like you see overseas with the huge esports tournaments, they bring a lot of social media into it. They bring personalities from like the community where the um, events are hosted, like huge celebrity status people to draw people to high-end competitions. And they invite international game sports teams. They don't even like have qualifiers for them. They have automatic qualification just because of their standard. Will we ever reach that point where we can draw international playing teams 
two South African tournaments. Is that the direction we're going into? Well, can I actually answer on that note? NavTV is busy working on two big projects that should take place within the next year to year and a half. By like end of next year is our goal um, to do exactly that. Unfortunately, you need a crap ton of money to bring those <laughs> to like bring those teams down because you spoke about the um, group of or the agency, for example, for the players. The Dota side had one and they would not fly to another location if the price pool wasn't a minimum of 120,000 US dollars. But that's obviously because they're looking after their players. Exactly. So we have to try and get the price pool up there, make sure the production is worth it for Valve to get involved. And then from there, we can actually bring the international teams over here because we can then actually access the international sponsorships. And then by that way, we could sort of introduce the South African scene. I don't know how great it would be for the local scene because we are still quite far behind the internationals on a playing standard. But if the prize pool is big enough and your last prize or your last place prize pool is actually more than what your first place would be for other tournaments locally, it would be worth it, in my opinion. Does that answer your question? Okay, I have time for one more. Does anyone want to throw a question? Fair enough. Bit of a nervous audience. I want to just touch on, on one final thing, um, one minute. Nefan, I just want to ask from playing overseas, how far away are we from being competitive internationally? Anthrax <laughs> and Nefan can answer this question. Honest answer, how long is it going to take before a South African team features? On, on what level? To beat, to beat a tier 2 team or to beat a tier 1 team? I guess there's a big, there's a big gap even between... Tier 2. I'll, tier I'll, make, two, I'll make it easy I'd for you. I'd say 3 to 5 years. Anthrax? Um, if we can start to keep building up the amount of regular competitions that we have to the point where there is some good, good money to be made, where we're talking the first team walks away with more than, more than 60 or 70,000 Rand from a comp on a regular basis, maybe even less time because mm -hmm. then those guys will be able to fly themselves overseas. So there you have it, the state of South African esports, we need more money. Um, I just want to touch on, on one final thing though, from a tech core perspective, growing a social media presence, right. running a blog. I do think what we touched on there is so important. The players need to be more active online. If you want to get those guys yes. to watch you, social media is important. handle social media, be on Twitter, be on Facebook, reply every day. Make your, make your friends your fans and, and help them grow that because I think that that's something sorely lacking and, and the community is so small that we haven't got out of it yet. Yeah. Be more active. Tell everyone you know, to everyone sitting here today, please go out, tell people to watch the local streams, not watch the international ones, but try and watch the local ones as well. Just to end it off, does everyone want to do a shameless plug? I think I've done enough today. Where can people find you if they want to, if, if they want to follow you? Nefan, if they want to, I'm going to get you all these fans. Uh, my you are a pretty boy as well, so that's... My cool. Facebook handle is NefanCS, and uh, also I'd just like to thank my sponsors, uh, as you can see, still series A Labs, always on and MSI. Always on. Always on. Nicely done. That was uh, that was that was a good thing that you were sitting here then. Yep. Reddit? Um Reddit, you can check me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Reddit Dota, R-I-D-D-I-T-Z Dota. Or navtv.co.za for most of the upcoming tournaments. Anthrax? Um you can just find me uh, on Facebook and Twitter, Anthrax ZA. And that's about it. Shout casting as well. You guys can, you, if you follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you'll be able to get 
all the CSGO stuff from there as well. If you go on their profiles, you can actually find live streamed events happening tonight with South African teams that you can watch. I encourage you all to go and watch them. They're tons of fun. You'll enjoy them. My name is Sam. I am Tekel. You can find me at tekel.co.za. Thanks for watching. That was Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. What the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rotten command here. To contact the show, you can email us at releasethegeek, one word, at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back.